Welcome to Cancer HealthCast, where science is driving hope. I'm your host, Nikki Henderson. Today, we are joined by Dr. Andrew Kurtz, who is the Program Director in the Center for Strategic Scientific Initiatives, where he co-leads Cancer Grand Challenges. Dr. Kurtz also provides strategic leadership in developing other trans-NCI programs that represent new and emerging opportunities for the Institute. Prior to joining CSSI, Dr. Kurtz served for 12 years in the NCI Small Business Innovation Research Development Center as program director and team leader. Well, hello, Andy. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Hello, it's great to be with you. Thank you. Well, to start us off, can you please tell us about how NCI's Cancer Grand Challenges was started What is its main purpose, and what role do you play in this initiative? Yeah, so Cancer Grand Challenges is actually a partnership between the NCI and another organization called Cancer Research UK, uh, which is a private charity based in the UK, and actually the second largest funder of cancer research in the world after the NCI. So Back in 2015, Cancer Research UK launched their own Grand Challenge program, and about four years later, they approached NCI uh, and invited us to partner with them to expand this program, which we've since rebranded as Cancer Grand Challenges. So really, the overarching goal of the program uh, is to support global research teams to come together and really think differently about how we can solve some of cancer's toughest challenges. Uh, And here, when we're talking about challenges, what we really mean are those hard problems, which if we were able to solve them, would have a major impact on the lives of cancer patients. And so to do this work, we provide each of the research teams up to $25 million over a period of about five years. So as for my own role, um, I had the privilege of working to set up the partnership with Cancer Research UK back in 2019. And since then, I've been serving as one of the program leads to help oversee the program, uh, as well as the outputs from the research that we're funding. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Andy. Thank you so much. Well, back in March, the nine new cancer grand challenges were announced. Can you briefly talk about a few of the challenges and how you expect the global research community will propose to address them? Sure. So as you mentioned, uh, there are nine challenges in this current round, uh, and they really do span a broad range of topics, all the way from understanding molecular changes that can occur in individual cancer cells all the way to testing new therapies in in human patients. I think one of the really interesting challenges in this current round involves trying to understand why the incidence of certain cancers in adults under the age of 50 has been steadily rising and really at an alarming rate over the last several decades. So colorectal cancer in particular has gotten a lot of attention recently, but we know that this is happening for other cancers, uh, for example, breast cancer, And we also know that this is happening in many places around the world, but we really don't understand why yet. So one of the possible explanations is that compared with previous generations, younger people may have been exposed to different types of environmental factors, for example, different diets or different types of pollution, uh, and that those could be uh, giving rise to some of these changes. 
So for this challenge, we're expecting researchers are going to start to study these questions in very large cohorts of patients by looking for specific molecular changes in their cells and tissues, which may have come about from these environmental exposures early in life. So one of the other interesting challenges involves something called retrotransposable elements, which are these small pieces of genetic material that can actually jump around to different locations in our DNA and disrupt normal cell growth. It turns out that researchers have been studying these genetic elements for decades. And in fact, a scientist named Barbara McClintock won a Nobel Prize for her work in this area back in the 1940s and 50s. But until recently, we just didn't really have the tools that we need to explore how these elements are organized and how they can become activated to cause instability in cancer cells. So for this challenge, we're expecting researchers uh, will come to us with cutting-edge technologies like long-read DNA sequencing to start to get answers to some of these questions uh, and then hopefully find new drugs that can overcome the effects of these retrotransposable elements. Okay, I see. That is very alarming. And I do appreciate you highlighting the environmental factors and, and how diet you know, could be a factor um, in this increase. Well, Andy, what do you feel is cancer's toughest challenge and how can data science help solve it? Yeah, so I'm not sure if it's cancer's toughest challenge, but I think certainly one of the biggest challenges is that we really need to find better ways to both organize and analyze these uh, huge amounts of biological data that we're generating, especially molecular data, but I think really all types of data. So just to sort of give you a sense of the problem, back in 2006, the NCI helped to launch a major program called the Cancer Genome Atlas, which set out to characterize the molecular changes in tumors that were taken from real cancer patients so that we could study these changes and start to understand how they were causing cancer. Since that program began, it has generated more than two and a half petabytes of genomic data over, uh, for over 20,000 tumors, which if you were to print all that data on regular sheets of paper would take you about 500 billion pages. And so that program, as important as it was, uh, is just one of many over the last several years uh, that has been aimed at generating large amounts of molecular data on cancer. And so I think going forward, the real challenge is going to be, how are we going to make sense of all this data? Uh, and that's really what data science is all about, using different techniques and approaches to extract meaningful insights uh, from these data that will help us understand how to better treat cancer. You kind of blew me away, 500 billion pages of data, that is quite a lot. Well, how do cancer grand challenges in the past align with NCI's current priorities? Yeah, so in terms of NCI's current priorities, I think one good place to look uh, is the recent National Cancer Plan, which the NCI just released in early April of this year. Uh, so if you go to our website um, at the NCI and you look at that plan, you'll see that there are eight primary goals uh, and I think several of the past grand challenges have really led to some current projects that are directly addressing those goals. So just as one example, I think one of the more aspirational goals in the National Cancer Plan is to simply prevent cancer before it starts. And so starting last summer in 2022, 
we funded a project that's trying to understand how cells and tissues that have already acquired uh, certain cancer-causing DNA mutations can remain non-cancerous tissues. Uh, so we now understand that there are many cells in our body that have become mutated over time, but never turn into cancer. And that you need these other additional factors, which we now call promoters, to sort of tip the scale toward cancer. Uh, and it turns out that many of these promoters are things that we can actually control, uh, things like diet and other types of exposures. So if we can understand how promoters work, uh, then we can start to design better cancer prevention strategies to uh, begin to eliminate those risks. I think one of the other major goals uh, of the National Cancer Plan that's really important uh, is how to deliver optimal care. Uh, and that includes uh, things like reducing unnecessary treatment and improving the lives of people who are living with cancer. So one of the very first projects that we supported under Can Cancer Grand Challenges was led by a team in the Netherlands. Uh, and that project was focused on studying something called ductal carcinoma in situ, uh, which, is, which is a very early form of breast cancer that's non-invasive. Uh, so it turns out there's increasing evidence that this early form of cancer is really being heavily treated, over-treated in patients around the world, uh, really causing millions of women to deal with these very unpleasant side effects, uh, but without any clinical benefit. So the goal of that project, uh, that Cancer Grand Challenges project, is to design better diagnostic tests to start to figure out who will actually benefit from treatment so that only those patients will get the therapy. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you, Andy. Well, how often do the cancer grand challenges take place? Can you give some examples of the types of submissions you receive and how many submissions do you typically accept? Yeah, so the program runs on a two-year cycle. We have new challenges that are announced every other year uh, at our annual scientific summit, which is held in March. Uh, and I should mention that this process we use for selecting those new challenges is actually quite involved. So for this most recent round, we organized nine different workshops in various places around the world. We had more than 100 cancer experts get involved uh, because we really wanted to get their perspectives on some of the toughest challenges before we selected the nine that made it onto the final list. So for those research teams that do want to apply, we first asked them to submit a short proposal that describes how they would solve the challenge and also the researchers that they would involve as part of their team. Usually that includes about 10 to 12 very highly accomplished scientists who are working at different institutions around the world. In terms of the usual application numbers, uh, I can tell you for the last round, we received more than 150 of these short proposals in response to all the various challenges and then from those short proposals, what we do is work with a, a committee of scientists to review all of those ideas. And then we select about a dozen of the best ideas uh, as finalists. And then the last step in the process, um, we ask those finalists to write up a more detailed research proposal. Uh, we then invite them all in for in-person interviews. Uh, and then after those interviews, we select the final four teams who actually receive the awards. And so... From start to finish, the program is actually quite competitive. 
Oh, wow. That's very interesting. I had no idea it was it was that involved. That That's wonderful. Well, how important are collaborative efforts when it comes to advancing cancer research and improving survivability for cancer patients around the world? Yeah, so we know collaboration is really important, uh, and I think we're really excited about the progress that we expect to be able to drive through Cancer Grand Challenges, particularly in some key areas that affect different communities around the world. So I, I think a great example is the current challenge on understanding how genetics, biology, and social determinants affect cancer risk, uh, not only risk, but outcomes in diverse populations. Really, the, the ultimate goal of this challenge is to be able to reduce inequities in how we deliver cancer care. But before we can do that, we really need to understand how all these various factors contribute to inequities. Uh, and in many cases, we just don't have enough data yet. Uh, but definitely, researchers uh, have been thinking about this and are making progress. I think um, there have been some really important recent studies looking at triple negative breast cancer in women from sub-Saharan Africa, who we know have very high rates of this type of cancer, uh, as well as in African-American women who also have high rates of cancer. But the true connection between African ancestry and higher cancer prevalence has really been unclear in part because until this recent study that I just mentioned, we didn't have a careful genetic analysis in different populations around the world. So I think this is a really great example of the kinds of projects that will be possible under this new cancer uh, inequities challenge. And I also think it really highlights the need, not just for collaboration, but really global collaboration. I see, I see. Well, that's wonderful that, you know, the ultimate goal here is reducing those inequities and um, getting to the bottom of why this cancer rate is higher, you know, in certain races and in underserved communities. Well, what role is artificial intelligence and other emerging technologies playing in screening for different types of cancer and in the early detection of tumors? Yeah, so I really appreciate you asking this question because I think with all the doomsday news we're hearing lately about AI, uh, it's really good to remember that AI can do some pretty amazing things uh, if we use it responsibly. Um, so there are several ways that AI is being used to help screen and detect cancer. And my guess, at least, is that this list will continue to grow, uh, at least in the near future. So one of the really important areas uh, that AI is having an impact is in the area of image analysis. So this is to look at things like MRIs and CT scans in the cancer clinic. Uh, and this is because machines and artificial intelligence can see certain things that even the best radiologists can't see. Uh, and this has actually now been proven in several different studies. Uh, there are certainly other areas where AI is also playing a big role. For example, there are several groups who are now trying to develop blood-based tests that can detect cancer very early, no matter where it's occurring in the body. But in order to do that, you have to deconvolute a lot of molecular information to know whether the cancer is in the lung or in the brain or the liver uh, or some other organ. Uh, and it turns out that AI is really good at solving those kinds of problems. Uh, 
And then finally, I think we can also use AI to put all of this information together. So molecular and imaging data, we can also add things like family medical history and other clinical information to get even more accurate cancer diagnostics. Okay, well, I agree with you. A lot of things that I hear that we hear in the news lately about AI hasn't been exactly positive, but it's it's good to hear you you highlight some of the positive things that it is doing as far as you know screening for cancer and early uh, detection of cancer. Well, Andy, what is the IMAX T, and how could it help transform the way cancer is diagnosed and treated? Yeah, so IMAX-T stands for Imaging and Molecular Annotation of Xenografts and Tumors, which is really just a, a fancy way of saying building a three-dimensional tumor map. Uh, so this is a technology that was developed by a Cancer Grand Challenges team at the University of Cambridge in the UK. Uh, and it's really this amazing tool that allows you to put on a virtual reality headset and literally walk around inside a tumor. And so this isn't just based on some artist's interpretation of what they think a tumor might look like. Uh, it's an actual 3D map that's built upon actual molecular data, which we can get using different technologies in the lab. So it turns out that one of the things that really complicates cancer diagnosis is that many tumors contain different groups of cells that are growing out of control for different reasons. And so if you make a diagnosis or a treatment decision based on just one group of cells, then you won't be able to treat the entire tumor. So one of the things that the IMAX-T tool allows us to do is to study that tumor heterogeneity in detail. So we can first understand the complexity of the tumor that we're dealing with, and then hopefully find a drug or a treatment strategy that can get rid of all the different tumor cells so that the tumor doesn't come back. Okay, that sounds e extremely interesting to actually uh, walk around in the tumor. I'm feeling that, you know, that's going to be a really, really great way for you guys to, for doctors and researchers to better diagnose cancer and, and of course, ultimately save lives. Well, Andy, uh, before we conclude, do you have any final comments or remarks that you would like to leave with our listeners? Yeah, so in case you can't already tell, I'm, I'm very excited about the Cancer Grand Challenges program uh, and some of the big things that we expect to accomplish by supporting these large international teams of scientists to tackle these really big problems. But I think it's also really important to remember that there will always be a big role that individual scientists will play in driving progress in cancer research. So Cancer Grand Challenges is really focused on what we think are the most urgent problems in cancer research. But science uh, definitely has a way of being unpredictable. Very often, we find answers that we weren't necessarily looking for. And I think that kind of discovery almost always happens when individual scientists have the freedom to think creatively about their own research questions. So I think the important point here is that there's a place for both kinds of science, uh, and then it's all really focused on the same goal in the end, uh, which is to improve the lives of cancer patients. Wonderful. Well, I'm really excited about the wonderful things that are to come from the Cancer Grand Challenges. Thank you so much, Andy. I really appreciate your time and this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for joining us today. 
Thank you so much for having me. HealthCast, along with GovCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. If you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.